You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who haven't scored since 1958. Chris and Case. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast, episode 332. Ooh, this is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am still your dashing and ageless host, Chris. And with me is my equally dashing but more aged host, Jeff the Riz. How are you doing, brother? I'm so sorry. I didn't oh, <laughs> I feel, I'm feeling old. I'm, I'm really feeling old now. Thanks for that, Chris. Yes, yeah, it's, it, it, it's great. We. We we've had so much lion stuff going on in the last couple of days. I'm like I'm I'm chomping at the bit, baby. Yes. Let's go. I am wired, and look, it only took show two boom before we went from the the two lovers to me insulting you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that at all. It just came out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got a lot of stuff today. The Campbell and Holmes presser. What everybody in the media missed. It's going to be the second thing that you got that we talked about today. We got a short one. We want to hit it from leftover from last week. Loretto super chat question. Uh, we got Mika Parsons comparables. Jeff did a great article about that. Dan Campbell, Pat McAfee. They hung out today. We'll be talking about that. All kinds of players news. We got Q and a from the Twitter hashtag kneecaps phone call about the draft and a whole lot more Riz, You ready to go, my man? Oh, let's do it. Let's kick this off and break it down. We don't do announcements anymore. I'm going to have to change that graphic. But don't worry about it. Let's get right into this right now. Uh, we're going to start off <laughs> first thing with uh, Loretta Martin's super chat from the last show. He literally ended it. Or, or yeah, he got it right, right in at the very end. And we, we had already wrapped. I was already uh, decompressing post-show. So uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to address that now. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So the question was, does Goff need more speed in a wide receiver or a better route runner? That's a really good question. I, I liked it, and it, it is. for sure, I wrote it down immediately to save for this week. Riz, this is an. What do you think? Where's your head at with this one? Um, ideally, both. But if you got to choose one or the other, he's a guy that is going to do better with with a good route runner more than than blazing speed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll use uh, the the generic example, and I, I I was on with the Giants today, and I did it on their their pocket. Will Fuller is the generic speed wide receiver guy that, that gets used all the time. So I'll use him here. He is a very specific type. He has speed that is dangerous. It, it fundamentally impacts how you play defense against the offense. 
But if you know that the quarterback is, isn't going to hit that deep or is, is only going to look there, you know, two or three times a game instead of the five to ten times a game that Deshaun Watson looks for him deep, it's not really worth it. And Goff is not a guy who sticks with his deep, deep field reads that long. It's just not something that he, he's comfortable at. He used to do it more than he did more recently. But that that's not where he wins at. He wins at hitting guys, you know, boom, getting the ball out at the top of the five-step drop or the seven-step drop or whatever he's at, um, taking one step to his right, avoiding the, the rush from the backside, getting the ball out to a guy when and where he needs to be there. That requires better route running. And that, that's where Goff is at his best, at least in my opinion. Now, would it be nice to have that speed guy also? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But you And they might have gotten him today. We'll tease that a little bit. Uh, but they uh, they he he's going to work um, – a guy like Golden Tate would be very useful for him. Yeah. Uh, whereas a guy like Will Fuller or um, I'm trying to uh, Corey Fuller. We'll go back to the line of oh. uh, the Lions pass. Ouch. Dude, dude could run really <laughs> fast in a straight line before his legs snapped. Uh, but but he he couldn't he, catch anything. Goff, Goff doesn't use him as well. So there's uh, that, so, that's the way I'd answer. I, I would prioritize route running over speed. But it would be really helpful if they also had the speed element because Goff. I'll give him average deep ball arm strength. He's he's certainly not Stafford. Um, he's not Russell Wilson. He's not Baker Mayfield on that. But he's he's in the world of the Matt Ryan. Dak Prescott doesn't have a, a cannon. Uh, Derek Carr in that in that that genre of quarterback. Kirk Cousins. Yep. Kirk, Kirk is probably a little bit more more willing to uncork it. But uh, that, that that's that's the deep threat that you're going to get with with Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say now there's. When we do these things, you just have to remember also, there's the uh, idea that McVay's offense was an offense that prioritized route running over speed. Not that speed was not important, but route running was the key to executing on that. So that's how we've seen Goff work. So he was he's predisposed to work in that in that space. He He may do well with speed. We don't know that. We know he does well with guys who can run tight routes and move well across the middle and so on. So I'm I'm, I'm totally with you. But I wouldn't be surprised if we learn something about Jared Goff in a different defense. Some of skills that he wasn't able to exhibit in in the McVay offense. Yeah, that's fair. And you you go back to Cal and he ran uh, the Jeff Tedford offense there. And that doesn't really rely on the speed either. So we like he did he did in fact lead the NFL in yards per air yards per completion and net yards per attempt in 2017 i mean that's you're not doing that by dinking and dunking all the time you got you got to have some deep threat there so when he's had the, the viable outside speed threats he has used them he doesn't use them as frequently as i think um that would be used in a Daryl Bevel offense as an example but the the it, 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 he's he's not some soft this isn't Kellen Moore this isn't Brad Kaya. This is a guy who can indeed throw the ball down the field. It's just not where he prefers to throw it. Yep, yep, yep. And that's that's exactly right. That's what that's that's what we have. I I am not out on Jared Goff. We've talked about this a little bit, and I think as we get closer to free agency in the draft, we'll talk about that number seven pick and what to do with it. Um, yeah, but uh, it just. I'm not in on a quarterback. I'm just telling you right now. And we'll actually we're teasing something towards the end of the show here that's going to come in as well. <laughs> um, I just don't feel like we were high enough to get the quarterback we want or have enough information to ensure he is the quarterback we want, nor have the scouts in position to have the data on the quarterbacks to ensure that we have the guy that we want. I'm just not I'm yeah. just not fully sold on this year. And we have two coming years to, to make a play there. So that's just my you know, I'm just a little preview. So, okay, yeah, that's that's where we're at. I think you're right on everything we've seen with Goff. It's about a 
route runner guy versus a speed. But the one thing I don't want to do is sacrifice speed in this offense. We saw, I mean, that's just going to artificially make the defense look better than it truly is in the, in practice. And every point oh, that they're yes. on the field, their speed, their lack of speed needs to be exposed. So. Why do you think they like Jelani Tavai in coverage? Because he's going against Jesse freaking James in practice. <laughs> Boy, was that a battle. Um, all right. We're going to move on. A lot of no, not news this week. And this is, this is what I'm going to let Jeff go first, but I got some, I got something. I got something here. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes both had a press conference, not together. They did it separately as they should answered questions. Yeah. And I'm going to just preview my, my coming statements here. I'm going to let you guys know. Um, everybody, the media included, has missed something very, very important. And I think this is going to be something that really, this is why I love Riz coming on the show as a co-host. Not that I didn't love Casey. I want to make, you know, I got to be clear about that. But he has a lot of the media, the insider, a lot of the the experience in, in the scouting. He's got years and years and years of that and brings, and I learn from him all the Way time when much. we talk about this stuff. And I've got my own little special skill set and you know, leadership and, and, and uh, not that Jeff isn't a leader, but leadership, a little of the corporate side. And this is a, t- a, t- a chance where I'm going to come in and I think I'm going to help a lot of people understand something yeah. that's been right in front of their face that they've literally been told. And didn't understand. So before I go into my, my little thing, uh, Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes press conference. Riz, I saw that you got your. Qu- oh, wait. No, no, you didn't get your question. in. I'm sorry. Uh, I did not. <laughs> I did not. I was in the queue for Holmes. I didn't I didn't I didn't have one for Dan. Um, and, and that's I, I, I am officially back as a full credential. Again, I split the, the lines wire credential with Eric. So I got it back fully. Uh, the lines were great about that. Thank you, Eamon Reynolds. Uh, for taking care of me. Um, I don't typically ask questions in press conferences unless there's something that I don't think anybody else is going to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's just when, when I did radio, um, I wasn't the best interview questioner. Um, that's just not something that I'm um, probably because I don't care about anything else. <laughs> um, I'm one of those people. I've never understood why anybody gives one crap about what's going on after in, a, in, a, in the locker room after a game. I, I, I don't need, I don't really care. Um, you, you just lost or you just won. You're going to feel either great or you're going to feel terrible. You're, you're not going to say anything substantive. If you do say something substantive, you're going to walk it back the next day anyways. I, I don't, I've never understood the concept of the post-game press conference. Um, these press conferences are different because we don't get to speak to them very often. That, that, that is, in fact, different. Yeah. Um, and I did have a question ready to go, but I didn't get to ask it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There were yeah. good. There was a good press conference. I think there was good answers. I it was. There, there was. So there was some good questions too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I thought, uh, uh, especially especially for Campbell. I mean, he he went first. So we'll we'll start there with with Campbell. Um, he was he was on right at eight in the morning. By the way, um, he actually arrived to the online press conference early. Um, for those of you who know anything about what went on with Matt Patricia. A lot, lot, lot of writers with their pants down on that one. <laughs> uh, myself included. Um, I, I got in at 8.02 and he was already giving his introductory statement. I'm like, oh, crap. Oops. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Patricia would, would not have been there before 8.30, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Generous, yeah. Generously. Um, he got, he did to his credit, he got better at that, but it was never something that was a priority for him. But uh, I, I think one of the things that you get, just in, in, in the way that, that he approaches it, and we'll talk about this in his conversation with McAfee too, there's nothing false about Dan Campbell. You know when he says something, he believes it. You're, he's not 
he's not saying it just to say it. He's saying it because it's what he, it's what's in his bones. It's what's in his soul. Mm-hmm. That is so refreshing. It's so awesome after dealing with, you know, Jim Schwartz was sort of like that, but but he, Schwartz would also spit the cliches at you and try to pretend that he's smarter than you. Um, and, and a lot, he actually is a pretty smart guy. He did go to Georgetown and yeah. graduated with honors, but he would let you know that every now and then that, that he's, or, or he didn't appreciate your question. Um, he was certainly, you know, that Caldwell, the dungeon of doom is famous. He didn't want to, he, he never had any use for the press. And if you don't, um, if you don't want, if you want to go about not appreciating questions, let's talk about slouching. <laughs> yes. I'm like, let me sit up, get erect here. I need to be more erect. My wife keeps telling me. Oh, here we go. Oh. All right. Better. All right. Yeah. Uh, well. Oh, man, you took it. You're the one that took it off the rails. That's my job. Hey, I, I'm, I'm going off the rails on the crazy train. Dan Campbell's got me fired up, man. Yeah, I was ready. I was ready to go out there and and, and do an Oklahoma drill or something like that. Which he talked, which he did talk about oh, in the back of the show, too. It, it just uh, aside from the topics that he covered, the, the the feeling of sincerity and integrity that comes is a very welcome change for me as a, as both a member of the Lions media and also as a fan of the team. I, 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 I trust that he's going to try to do to the very best of his ability, everything, everything that he says he's going to do. I really believe that. And I think, I think he conveys that. This is such a great segue, Riz. Um, This is right into what I was going to talk about. And I, I didn't tell you, Right. And, no, and, you did and, not. And you, you, did you, you, you specifically wanted to catch me with my pants off. Yeah, they well, are. Well, that's how I usually I, like to catch you. I just won't stand really quick before I do, I want to say, hey, Riley Dawson, thank you so much for the super chat. Listening to Dan Campbell's passionate talks gets the Kool-Aid flowing every time for sure. I, I've been pants free since M- M- McAfee, right? McAfee's fun to watch and stuff, but I, I keep my, my McAfee. McAfee. How many, missed, how many times are you going to miss say his name? I, I said it like five we talked times about this before the show, Chris. And it's I McAfee. Myself every time, and now I just say it because it doesn't matter, right? God, no, I keep my my pants firmly cinched watching uh, McAfee, and 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 it's just I'm not that I don't like him. He's great. He's funny. I love his show and everything, but it's just it's not the kind of thing. But when Dan comes on. Whew, off they go every time and they stay off. There's no he getting was, them on. He was, yeah. Cam, Campbell was really good. And, and McAfee is the right kind of guy to ask him questions. I thought that was a great venue for him. Good choice on Campbell for going in on there. Yep. And I, I really thought, um, I'm not a huge Pat McAfee guy, but I really, I thought he handled it great. I thought he asked smart questions that, that he knows other people aren't going to ask, which is, you know, that's, yep. that's where I like to come from. And, yep. and he got some things out of it and, Oh, yeah, that was, that's, it was fun. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to tell you something that every single one of you folks have been, has been told, including the folks in the media, but because of the, the narrowness of what they concentrate on and what they work on, they completely missed it. And the question that came up about who's ultimately in charge, right, is like asking a question, like um, asking the tooth fairy, how many, how many spark plugs to cookie dough? That's what it sounds like to somebody who's a practitioner here, okay? Uh, Brad Holmes. (laughs) Brad Holmes said in the very, very first, his opening press conference, that he is a practitioner of servant leadership, okay? Servant leadership is a real thing. It is a, a whole concept, okay? It is. And asking Who's accountable? Everybody says I'm accountable. And that's what Dan Campbell said every time. But what if you guys don't disagree? We're all accountable. And I'm going to give you guys just a little lesson because this is a change from how leadership used to be. Right. And and the, right. you used a word. And this is why it was such a good uh, segue, Jeff. The word authenticity. 
and being authentic. And you see it, Dan, you, you said it. You, you absolutely lifted the word of who he is. Brad Holmes is authentic. I guarantee you, Sheila Ford Hamp is authentic. Authenticity is the premier of a modern leader. Somebody who, who's actually a practitioner of leadership rather than management is a practitioner of servant leadership in the modern world. I'm telling you, if they're at all worth I their I agree salt. with that. So what makes this up? There's a whole number of things that make this up, okay? The first thing is humility, okay? And when you're a leader, a servant leader, being in control, you realize that being in control is not what makes you a leader, okay? Now, anybody can be a leader. You could be you could be a special teams gunner only and you could still be a leader on the team. And we've seen that with different players. You could be an offensive line coach or a defensive, you know, a defensive um, line coach, whatever. You can be a leader no matter where you are. But it's all about having that humility. You don't need control to be a leader. And if, even if you have the organizational position of control, that isn't necessarily what makes you a leader. There's all kinds of people with power that are terrible leaders. Okay. Servant leadership yes. is about humility. The second piece is empathy. OK, this kind of empathy in, in your role as a leader, wherever you are in the organization, you ensure that everybody knows that their job is important. A servant leader literally is there to make the people around of them around them better than they ever could have been themselves. So if you're if the person you report to yep. at work is a servant leader, their job, they, they, they take it as their job to make you better than they ever could have been. To help you become more than they ever were. And that's this role that, that, that you see. That's what you see with, with uh, Campbell and Holmes and, and what they're trying to assemble in this front office. Okay. The other side of it is active listening. And you saw it with, uh, and we'll talk about the McAfee thing or, uh, that happened as well. This, is, this happened in there. When Dan went back and said, wait, I didn't answer oh, your yeah. question. Let me go back and say, I want to. And, yeah. and, and then he re-answered re re it. Nobody does that. Everybody just BSs around it. He did that on. in his opening press conference, yep. too. He, exactly. he actually went back to a question line. That, 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 was, that was shocking to me that he did that. Active listening is one of the key components of being a servant leader. Okay. Um, you absorb what others have. You use organizational intelligence to, to, to work within the sphere of the people you touch, whether they're in the press, whether they're your boss, whether they report to you, or whether they're your, your equal somewhere in the, in the organization. Okay. And you truly work to understand where they're coming from. The idea of pounding the table for your guy in the draft room and screaming louder than everyone else. So you get what you want is antithetical to what servant leadership Ooh, is. Thank you very much. All right. The next piece that makes it up is direct engagement. Okay. Uh, you don't, a, a servant leader doesn't just sit in their office all day. Okay. They don't just sit and dictate what other people should do. Now, as, as Riz alluded to earlier, this sounds almost 180 degrees from our exist or our, our, our previous coach, right? But that's what this is. This is a modern leadership. And you'll see this is what's happening around the NFL with good teams, good coaches. The leadership is different than it was 10 years ago. But a lot of people say, oh, well, they can relate to the players. That's yeah. because they're there yeah. empathetic, empathetically. They have humility. They're listening actively rather than just pounding the fist on the table a la Patricia style. Right. Right. There, there's a difference between what Pete Carroll and Sean Payton are doing than what Adam Gase is doing. Than what um, who's the guy that just got fired in Philly? Doug Peterson. Yeah. Um, who, who was a player's coach, by the way, but he didn't he didn't. He couldn't reach the most important player on the team um, and lost some other players as a result of that. 
Um, he let that he let that get away because he didn't show the personal management skills that were needed to handle that that task. Uh, I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that particular problem with with Dan Campbell. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And Logan in the chat, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call it out out loud because the weasels climb out of the holes when you do. But you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> that's oh, that's, that's the one that keeps pounding. let me pull up the chat here. <laughs> that's the one that keeps pounding the table about this because he doesn't understand it. Um, okay, so they they work with the team. They have tasks. They have responsibilities. They don't just sit there and park <laughs> orders at people. Okay, I just saw it. That's nice. <laughs> they rely on their team and their assistants to get things done. Guess what? I know a hundred percent that this is what's happening. Part of what this whole coaching staff being built around, not just being players, is that people come here. And take themselves to the next level so they can move on somewhere else. This is a place, this is now becoming a farm to grow coaches into better and better coaches, whether it's in this organization or others. And if if you do that, if somebody does leave, it's the next man up isn't... a, a, you know, a dump, a, a, a trash bag, right? You have, you have somebody right. who's good and ready to move. You have movement and, 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 um, succession in planning in the way for the people in your, and you know, the people can do it because you've watched them stretch. You've watched them take on responsibilities, relying on your assistants to do things, giving them responsibilities that normally would be yours and taking some that normally would be theirs. Yeah. You get to assess who they are, how they work and coach them to be better than you ever could. That have was the whole point of what he talked about when he talked about hiring Deuce Staley yes. um, away from Philadelphia, where, where he was the assistant. He, he, he has the exact same job title with Detroit that he did in Philadelphia. He left Philadelphia to come to Detroit because he sees the opportunity because Dan Campbell said to him, you're not a token assistant. You're a head coach. You're going to be doing things that that I need you to do. You're going to learn how to run meetings. You're going to be in all the different you're going to be in on the special teams meetings. You're going to do media sessions. You're going to you're going to help do the seating chart on the airplane, things like that. Yeah. The mundane tasks um, th- that prepares him for a coach. That's going to get him a, a head coaching job or at least interviews. Yeah. He oh, yeah. wasn't getting those out of Philly because again, the, the staff there was, was more, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the right way to convey the, the, with, without, with being, without being condescending. And I don't mean to be, um, but the opportunity with Campbell is something that, that clearly attracted guys like Anthony Lynn and Deuce Staley and Aaron Glenn, yep. where they feel that they can grow with it. They, they trust him. They trust, to your point, he's going to have their best interest in time. And if it works out for him, it's going to work out for them, and it's going to give them chances to go do their own thing. Yep. And not only that, they're going to take that with them. When Deuce Staley becomes the head coach of the Houston Texans in 2024, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, that'd be nice, by the way. Um, or sooner. Um, <laughs> hopefully sooner if, if, if the Texans are ever going to – oh, God, there's such a wreck, Chris. He's going to take those qualities with him, and he's going to give opportunities to other people that wouldn't necessarily have been there in the past because he wouldn't have thought of it being there in the past. That's something that Sean Payton did for Dan Campbell, yep. uh, and he's passing that forward. I think that, that – he learned. He learned from it. And that's, yeah, he, and that's where did. their success comes from, from that type of an organization. I'll tell you, the last thing I got, and I touched on it a little bit, facilitation of growth. A servant leader has their team's back. The people on their team, they have their back. Mistakes happen, right? The idea yes. is fail quickly, learn, and be better, and move on, and cover the back. And then you, this is the thing. Well, who's responsible? I'm responsible. Everyone says, I'm responsible. And that's... The that's God. that's how it works. You, you know, you know I'll, I'll, I'll go works. movie on here. 
one of my favorite movies is clear and present danger mm-hmm. the jack ryan movie yep, yep, yep. and and the the um chavez comes up after after his unit has been killed and kidnapped down in in where they had columbia panama mm-hmm. mm-hmm. columbia and um he's with uh willem defoe and jack ryan um harrison ford uh, and he's he wants to know who's in charge he's ready to kill somebody and and uh harrison ford is jack ryan says it's my fault it's my fault and it and it instantly diffused the situation. It's like, okay, all right, I'm here to help you. I'm here. We're here. To, we're on the same team together. You might not like how we're at where we are, but we're going to get through this better together than than being at odds with one another. That that's a seminal mo- movement. I, I love that movie. That's in my top three all time. I love that. I can watch it every day. And, and one of that scene is one of the reasons why is because it, it conveys that sort of leadership presence yeah. that you don't see in a lot of other. Instance, I know, I know it's fictional. I know it's not real. It's, um, and it's as, something much different as, much as we want it to be, than a lot of people have seen. And a lo- again, again, folks that that do this every day, you know, the, the media thing, they're kind of in that 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 line. And they're just used to what they've always seen. They they don't know what server leadership mostly is, obviously, because they haven't. We certainly don't know so. it if you if you've been in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea here is think about this, right? Who are the who are the teams that are doing well? Teams that come up with something new that innovate. That come up with another wrinkle that that move the NFL forward. We just went through this giant experiment of trying to take the NFL back to 1985. Let's right. win that 1985 NFC East, baby. <laughs> Let's go. That doesn't work. The idea that you can innovate and and fail quickly and learn and be better is where these great teams succeed. This is why the Rams have an offense that's been killing. It's why you see these other teams that have done so great with these new wrinkles. It's not because somebody look, stood look up at what the, top the Ravens have the done under John Harbaugh with a guy like Lamar Jackson completely yep. retooling their. They had Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco can't move at all. <laughs> now they've got a, an RPO base offense. Yep. There are there are a lot of coaches. Um, we've had a few of them in Detroit who would not understand what to do with that. Right. Yep. That, and and that's we don't know if that's going to be the on field result for Dan Campbell. But but yep. I damn saw- it, at least it's going to be. I feel a lot better about it going into it than than I did. Um, with either Patricia or Caldwell. So with um, Ryan's Ryan Nessigen, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciated the way he handled the stupid push about the final decision about the roster his leadership showed and that's exactly right because this shows a gap this again it goes back to the question that was you know that was asked uh, asking the tooth fairy how many spark plugs to cookie dough right uh it it, it, it doesn't it, that's what they hear that's what that's what dan heard from from him because it's not who's responsible the final response it's not it and it shows just how much of a gap in understanding there is from the people yeah. that are driving that question to what's happening in Allen Park. And I would then ask yourself, how much more do they really get wrong about what's happening with their people? Right, the and, and there you go. I'll extrapolate upon that a little bit. At the end of his press conference, Dan Campbell went off a script, was not asked. The word Sheila was never mentioned. And he yeah. concluded his press conference by addressing Sheila's presence in personnel meetings and, and, completely diffused that situation. And my suspicion is that the, the question that was asked that led to the, the, the spark plugs in the, in the frozen yogurt or whatever the hell you're talking about. Cookie dough. <laughs> cookie dough. dough. <laughs> oh, I like cookie dough. I need some cookie dough. Um, th- that I think he saw that um, as, okay, is Sheila in charge or is Rod Wood making the decisions? Because exactly. th- th- there's a, there's Such that a wing of people. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I was, I bet that there were some people in the, in that zoom session, um, including one of them who was directly below me in the picture. If you were watching the media thing, you'll know who that is. Uh, <laughs> we're hoping that he'd say something like that. And then instead he goes the other way again, he's listening. He's thinking while he's up there, he's not just, you know, spitting out cliches. Yeah. He thought about this. You know, I, I assumed that he went in with a plan that I wanted to say something about Sheila and diffuse that because people took that the wrong way from his initial press conference. Uh, and I thought he handled that brilliantly. Yeah, I, I and I, I love what he said. He's like, we want her there. We want her to care. We want her to want to win that. And she wants to be part of that. That's great. She's the owner. If she's given us the tools to do it, why the hell shouldn't she be involved? But she's practicing servant leadership as well, saying, I entrust you and your expertise right. to these decisions. I'm here to watch and witness, right? To write the book later. But right yeah. now, this is this is your expertise. That's what's happening here. And people that uh, look, I just got to do this really quick. Right. Great book. Okay. <laughs> I servant leadership. Seven wow. Pillars of Seven Pillars leadership. of Servant Leadership. Yep. Uh, it's by wow. Spice and Fick. What the frick? Um, this is one of my favorite books on servant leadership. Uh, it's available. That's at interesting. Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Uh, every now and then we do this. We talk about leadership because we know a lot of folks are new leaders or becoming leaders out there. And we like to talk, touch on that piece as well. Um, this is a really good one. Uh, it's You can get it on Audible, all that stuff. Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com for all your book and Amazon needs. But definitely worth getting that one if you want to understand about servant leadership and what it means. That's one of the the, the seminal books. I absolutely love that one. And then I'm going to tell you, we talked about the the whiz kids. I pulled Since I pulled that one out, I pulled this one out too. Um, another, <laughs> this it's a thick one, okay? But it is a fabulous book. Um, it's Wiz Kids, The Founding Fathers of American Greatness and the Legacy that They Left by John A. Byrne. It is absolutely fabulous about um and this is the Wiz Kids thing is a thing that I think is a big push and shift that Sheila's bringing back from uh molded on Hank the Deuce's work, Henry Ford II's work back uh, when Ford, after the post-war era, when he realized, I don't know how to run a company, and we're having troubles, and he brought in these guys called the Wizkids. It's a great story if you're, if you're just in that stuff. So there it you is. go. That's what's happening, and for any, you know, the now the media watches us, I notice in some of the comments we get when we mention them, um, but <laughs> I'm just going to say, if, you're, if, you, if you'd like to learn what's happening in Allen Park, those are great places to study and things to learn about, because that's exactly what you're seeing right now, and it's a much more modern leadership practice, and it is. some of the it's... questions you're, that are being asked about it are just so far, like, they don't compute with people that truly practice that okay. formally why don't i ask questions because i don't know what the hell i'm doing <laughs> all right from there thank you guys for for indulging me riz thanks for indulging me on that i just sure. I, and every now and then and folks have said it's they, a very they like it's it, a so. very silly point and, and as i'm thinking about this as we're talking because i can think on my feet too uh, i realize why you and i both liked marvin lewis a lot as a coaching candidate he is the epitome of a servant leader look at all the dudes who got jobs out of him and he campaigned for them and he helped them get better at what they did and look at guys like like Chad Ochocinco and, and guys like that who've come out of being under him much better humans on the other end for having been with him because, uh, and again, uh, he, he was, he was my top choice. I told you that before, before yeah. any of the hiring, he was my number one candidate. I'm certainly happy with Dan Campbell, but I will always, uh, I will always hold Marvin Lewis in reverence. And, and one of the reasons why is because 
what we just talked about that 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 glove fits his hand as well. Yeah, and this and just to, to wrap on that, this is why I'm so excited with Riz and I. It's like the the Wonder Twins kind of powering together or whatever, right? The, <laughs> it's it's two completely mind, different mindsets and 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 skill sets that have a slight overlap that come together, and I think that's what really gives us yeah. the power here and, and, and really puts it ahead. All right. Speaking of the Riz, uh, Jeff Risden, a guy you may have heard of, wrote a story over at this place you may have heard of called Lion's Wire. Uh, have you heard of that, Riz? Go there. Go, go there. Click. Oh, it's, click. Right, it's right there under his name. Um, Mika Parsons scouting comparison to Jared Davis. This was really great. Uh, it's a couple <laughs> days old, and I know I'm pulling it out, and then you got to get a rank. So, so I'll go into a little bit of background on it. So I was in a I, uh, I interloped into a conversation that involved um, a guy who's a good friend of mine, Arif Hassan. He covers the the Minnesota Vikings um, for I don't even remember who it is for. now. <laughs> Um, uh, he's a good friend. Um, and he brought, uh, Oh, it was with, uh, Eric Eager or eager from PFF, uh, PFF, Eric. Um, and he brought up that, that, you know, Jared Davis was a good linebacker, uh, with the under a thread about Micah Parsons. And, uh, that got my wheels turning a little bit. So, uh, I, I, you know, did what I do. Um, uh, I, I went to the bathroom for a very long time and thought it out. And then I wrote it out. Because uh, that's that's how my that's how my that's how my process works. Uh, <laughs> Multiple processes all at once. <laughs> yes, exactly. When, when one thing flows, the other does too, and that's uh, and I came up with it. And so I went back and I, re- I I wanted to make sure that it was right. I didn't because I I, I have seen the similarities in their games, um, and the way the reverential way in which uh, Parsons' athleticism is mentioned and his positional versatility. Yeah. I'm like that does that does sound kind of like what we had with Jared Davis. So I went back and I looked at the the scouting reports from Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com, Lance Zierlein, Dane Brugler, uh, Matt Miller. Um, I even went to where I don't normally like to go in Walter Football just because they they have Ooh. archives going way back. Wow! And every every single I know I I feel dirty. I needed a shower I, after I, that. I, when I saw that in that in that piece. I was just like, wow, Riz is really working hard here. I, I was man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge some days, uh, and I, I and every single there there were so many parallels and every because I didn't want it to be just like one guy, right. and I didn't want it to be me. Um, I wanted to be people that that you know a lot of people respect. Um, and and you know, Walter Football, I'm I'm not their biggest fan, but they certainly have a broad fan base, and a lot of people check them out and and, and respect what they do. Um, so so I included them in there as well. And every single scouting report on Micah Parsons read very similarly to every single scouting report on Jared Davis. Like every one, there were, there were none that didn't that I found. And I just wonder, you know, how do fans reconcile the fact that they freaking hate Jared Davis and want him dead? They don't just want him off the team. They want him dead. Chris, they, they want his head on a spike so they can parade it around and be like, this is the biggest failure of Bob Quinn's career. This is why I hate the Lions. No, that, that, let's divide. Yeah. I, I want, oh, I want oh, yeah. Davis okay. to, to be a redemption arc. Please, please, Jared, come back. Yes. Be great. Yes. We're, be we're, great. we're both on that train, by the way. Yeah. But but the, it, it, it's crazy because there there is every year there's a there's one player in the draft that Lions fans just swarm to. Like we got to have this guy. Yep. Um, it, it was um, uh, it was Greedy Williams a couple of years ago. Um, it was D Milner in a draft pass. It was um, uh, uh, Mike Evans was that guy for a while in the, in that draft where we knew we weren't going to get him um, pretty early on. Uh, there are a lot of people who are really high on Sammy Watkins and, and going to get him in that oh, draft. I really wanted him. God, I uh, wanted him. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I liked him too. Yeah. Uh, it's okay I, I to be Mike wrong. Evans, learn and yeah. move on, right? Right, but <laughs> but there's uh, 
for whatever reason, they always glom on to one specific player. And it's most years, it's a player that a, I don't think is a realistic fit. B I just don't like, or C just, it's it's like, like all the talk about creepy Williams in the first round. No, boy, just just no. Who? Oh no. Who? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. No, I love this. And and, and you made it really clear that it's not a case that Mika is going to be the same thing. The outcome could be different because uh, I think, and and a lot of people who commented brought this up was Jared Davis's rookie year was all right. You know, he was Mm -hmm. a rookie. We saw some mistakes, but, but then, then Patricia came in and then it really went South. And I can't argue with that. You're, you're absolutely right. And do I trust uh, Aaron Glenn as a rookie defensive coordinator? Kind of. I, I do trust him to do that better than Paul Pasqualoni, certainly. <laughs> um, the tutelage I, of I, Matt Patricia. I absolutely yeah. trust the scheme that's going to be coming in here more. <laughs> but that also applies to Jared Davis if slash when he comes back as a free agent. And I do expect that to happen. I think most people expect that to happen. If Dan Campbell called him out in his initial press conference and knowing that he's a, a pending free agent, I think that's a pretty good sign that they want him back. Just reading between the tea leaves there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And everything that you want Micah Parsons to do, Jared Davis, in theory, can do it. The, Has the, he done it in practice? No, same. no, he hasn't. <laughs> but, but they're very, very similar players. And, and the other player that gets lumped into it is Devin White. Um, who was a player that I, I, I was not as high on Devin white as a lot of people were. Uh, my guy in that draft was Devin Bush. Uh, that was the linebacker that I really liked. Um, and Devin white has turned into a, he was a star in the playoffs. Now, if you go back earlier in their year, and you know, this from being in Tampa, he wasn't that guy until late in the year. And, and when, when, uh, when they really started to let him rush the passer more specifically, um, when he, when he was being a little bit more passive and, and back in coverage, he's not, he was not their alpha dog. That's Levante David. Levante David was the best linebacker on that team until the beginning of their playoff run. Right. Right. They don't, Detroit doesn't have Levante David. They don't have Indomitian Sue. They don't have Shaq Barrett getting 18 and a half sacks off the side. <laughs> All those things made Devin white look a lot better. Now, did he do a great job? Hell yeah, he did. I'm not going to disparage him, but there's context that needs to be in there. If you're going to bring in Micah Parsons and expect him to be that with the crew that's around him, you're going to hate this guy more than you hate Jared Davis because you've hyped him up more. <laughs> Just be very careful on that. Yep, 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 yep. Aside from any of the off-field stuff, which I really don't want to talk about again because I got into an argument um, off-air with somebody that I was talking on-air with about that earlier, and I like that person. I don't want him to hate me, so I'm, no. I'm done with that. Okay. Hey, I've, I've, I've stopped calling out names because they like to use their alt accounts to come on <laughs> and start asking, why are you sticky? And try to take some kind of moral no, but I'll, I'll ju- I will just say that uh, Micah Parsons has tremendous film from 2019 at Penn State. It's undeniable. There are warts, though, and I think people are a little too willing to overlook the the very same warts that you hate in Jerry Davis. The fact that he he runs out of control and doesn't burp and settle is the term that I use. It's a basketball term. Everybody who I've ever coached in basketball knows when I yell burp and settle, it means slow the hell down, calm down, get yourself together. Don't don't keep rushing. Don't keep pressing. He doesn't do that well. Jared Davis, that's probably the, the worst quality that he has is that he can't do that. Um, when he's tasked with dropping into zone and there's more than one guy in his zone, he literally just stands there. Yep. Um, he doesn't, yep. he doesn't do anything. Yep. Uh, that's, 
that the, there are warts to his game. He is not a perfect prospect. He is not Lawrence Taylor. He is not Carl Banks. Um, he is not. He's not. He's not. He's not. I don't even think he's Devin White. Honestly, there's a reason uh, he, make, he could be. There's a reason Micah Parsons <laughs> at seven is your safe word. We talked about that. <laughs> Those will yeah. never come out of your mouth. All right, really quick. Yeah. If we were to go for Mike, Micah Parsons at seven, J, uh, Riz would right away go to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. <laughs> give, give me the freaking Delta, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he would want to take care of that pain, anxiety, and insomnia that it caused. Oh. And uh, it's it's some of the greatest stuff out there. I'm telling you, if you want the stuff that doesn't trip the drug test, but wants to take that will take care of pain, anxiety and insomnia and then ends there. You go get the regular CBD stuff. It's gummies. They got a cream that is awesome for your, uh, your sore muscles. I've been hitting the weights now a lot. Right, right here. Crazy. Yep. Sore elbow. Sore hurts, joints. Man. Yep. Uh, those stuff. That stuff is just killer. And it's all good to go. If you want all those things, plus you want a buzz to go with it. Then you're looking for the chill line, the Delta Eight. They got some Super Delta Eight now, which is even more. They're, they're telling me I, you know, I haven't gone that. I, it's kind of not the thing, but um, I, I'm just gonna tell you. Uh, all reports are full steam ahead. <laughs> <laughs> CBD.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people, a good majority who have reported back about how good that stuff is, have told me they took one, waited 20 minutes or 30 minutes and said, hey, yeah, it's just not working. I'm going to take another one. And then they lost a couple hours. So first time, just eat one. Uh, yeah, gummy. you don't want to lose that unless, unless you really intend on losing an hour. Um, and daylight savings is coming up. Do yeah. it, don't do it then either. Too. You'll lose more hours. <laughs> <laughs> CBD.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Take care of yourself. First, take care ahead. As you know, if you use ch- uh, checkout code LIONS, a coupon code LIONS, check out 55% Lions. off. 55 that's L-I-O-N-S for those of you who don't speak English. That's for, for you, those of you who just ate some Delta 8. CBD.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. All right, let's get into the Dan Campbell. It's also right there on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the Dan Campbell, Pat McAfee show. Wow. That was one of the most entertaining was, watches I've had in a long time. And I'll just, I'm going to hand it off to you to run with it, Riz. But the oh, one thing, if I were to kind of sum it up, Dan Campbell earned himself a number of fans nationally today after that interview. Yes, he did. Um, I did not watch it. I only listened to it. I listened to it in the car as I was driving home. Uh, and I, I cracked up. I actually almost had to pull over laughing really hard one time. It was, they were, and, and there's, there's something that comes from being a former player and, and peers. And I think that came across very well, that, that Pat McAfee understands very well who Dan Campbell is, um, and how to get good answers out of him. He asked great questions. He asked, one of the questions that I loved that, that he asked, and this was something that I wanted asked, was how he got the coaching bug in him. Because he didn't strike he didn't strike you as a, as a guy who would be interested in that. And Campbell told a great story about one kid who sucked, and he, he pulled him aside in a training camp or a, a high school football camp, and he taught him one move to beat the biggest punk ass guy on the, on the field. Right. And he did it. And he resonated with he's he's I can still see the kid's face. God, it, you, it, you're if, a teacher, Riz. Tell me about that yes, feeling. Yes. If you, and, and I, I've coached youth basketball. And I see it in my kids. Yep. You know, you know that look. And you just do. So good. It feels and so and good. there's nothing better than that. It, it, it's there's, it's like when my son got a dunk in his, in, for the first time in a basketball game. I was like, yeah, oh, crap. Yep. Okay. That, 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 that's it right there. That's yep. why I'm here. Yep. And, and the oh. fact that that resonated with him, 
and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he didn't even remember the kid's name. Didn't didn't remember where they were exactly. Just remember that he was with the Giants, um, and he went over and did that. And and it speaks to his empathetic character that he he wanted to help the worst kid on the team, beat the best kid on the team. And damn it, he did it. Did and that's and that that he's been hooked on it ever since. That this that's a that, that tells you what kind of man is coaching this football team. This tells you who's wired for servant leadership. And I'll tell you when when is it is a is a guy who used to teach Riz. Um, yeah. I've I've done it in a corporate environment and with kids and as a coach, a soccer coach, um, as my son was growing up, loved doing those things. There is no better feeling than that light up recognition on somebody's yep. face when they suddenly did something that you taught them and and they're just yep. so happy inside you feel like a million bucks and and they, they, they're yeah, 10 million yeah. right but you feel like yep. a million because of how great they feel that is one of the best feelings you'll ever ever get in your life that is yeah. just amazing yeah. when, when my daughter's teammate Bryn when she keeps her elbow in shooting her free throw and it goes in and you see the look on her face like I made a free throw like <laughs> hell yeah baby <laughs> that, you, that, right? that that's awesome yep and, and that, that he told that story and that that's what was the trigger for him to want to think about coaching. Because before that, he said, you know, you come in as a rookie. He was in, he was in the with the Giants, right? He'd, yeah. roll in, he'd be coming in at 630 and the coach would be rolling out with bedhead after yeah. sleeping in his office. All. He's like, hell no, I don't want to do that. There's no way. And then he and, got that spark. And yeah, he, saw, he, saw he got it. it. And, and now he, he lives it. And he talked about how Sean Payton. Um, really fostered it too. Um, it, it, actually, he, said, he talked about Peyton before that, but that that went into conjunction with what we talked about with Deuce Staley um, and how involved Campbell was in doing everything that a head coach does. Uh, and the other thing that, that came up, and I thought this was important because uh, he's been an interim coach before, and McAfee asked a very good question, and it is one that has been asked. Um, it was actually asked of Patricia um, after his rookie season. Uh, and he didn't answer it, uh, was, was what did you learn from being an interim coach as a rookie coach that, that's going to change? And he said the number one thing that every, every coach who answers the question honestly said, time management is the biggest challenge for a rookie head coach at any level, in the college level, at the pro level, but especially at the NFL level. As he said, he talked about, you go in and I, I get down at my desk and I'm ready to dive into the opponent and Oh, I got I got a media obligation over here. Oh, I got to meet with the trainer over here to talk about this player. Yeah. Um, we we, we got to worry about you know. Oh, I, I got to do a, a promotional phone call for for one of the the big sponsors of the team. Um, and and oh oh we got we got we got somebody. He went down in practice over here, and we got to get clearance. And uh, there's all this crap that goes on, and, and who, it's overwhelming. Who had to deal with that for the first time? Who had never dealt with it before? Our right. head coach. The whole first year was spent trying to figure that out. Exactly. Right? I, and we've seen that a lot. Um, and there are ways around it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll reference the Browns real quick here. Kevin Stefanski hired someone. Her name is Callie Brownson. She's very good at what she does as a chief of staff yep. to handle that kind of BS for him. The, the, the stuff that, that takes away from preparing for the opponent. That's one way you can do it. He hasn't done that. He's hired Deuce Saley as an assistant head coach to help with those duties. But just the fact that he understands you know, okay, I might schedule this meeting for 9.30, but it might not start until 10.30, and the players might not all be there. And, and just understanding how to put that day together. He's not going to show up for a press conference to schedule at 3.30 at 4.45 and wonder why all the people in the room are glaring at him. That, that, that's not going to be Dan Campbell. <laughs> and I think I think that was a very poignant moment. It, it was a, a great answer to it. The other thing, that he, he brought up his failure as a head coach. And it was specifically a time management situation at the end of a game in Buffalo 
Um, and, and he, he had, he, he didn't properly communicate with his coaches what his plan was going into the situation. And because of that, they left points on the field and they wound up losing. Um, and it, it clearly still bothered him. If you listen to it at all, <laughs> the tone in his voice, like it's still eating him up like six years later, like, Oh crap. I, I blew that game and I knew it and it was on me and it bothers me to this day. A, that's great that he won't let that go. But B, it's also that he learned that I got to let my offensive coordinator, I got to let my quarterback coach know. I got to let my quarterback know what the hell the plan is here because nobody else knew it except what was in my head. And I couldn't figure out what people couldn't see in my head. Uh, right. That that was such such good answers. I, uh, these, are, these are not answers that you're going to get from your regular head coach. This Again, back to the integrity. You know when Dan Campbell says something, he's not snowing you. Right. I love that. I think McAfee loved it. I, I it, it was pretty clear. Listen, I didn't, I didn't see it, but just picturing McAfee, I, I can see him eating that up. McAfee, and I McAfee, hope Lions I fans almost, eat it up too. I almost did it again. I almost did it again. McAfee. Um, I, I don't know why I can't get it right. I don't know what's going on. McAfee hit on something, and it, it was just a passing comment that he made. But this is something I think a lot of people have missed. Dan Campbell comes off as kind of jockey, you know, kind of home. Yes. Right. Yeah. He's a really smart guy. And McAfee, McAfee knows and said it at the end, a little bit after, if you saw, I said, this is a guy and uh, this is just a weird reference. Right. But uh, he, 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 he's a Joe Rogan listener, right? <laughs> he talks about him being a deep thinker. Right. And yeah. I'm going to tell you yeah. that I think that's absolutely true. I think that, that um, uh, Dan Campbell fools people with his demeanor. And and his very kind of plain kind oh, of guy yeah. talk and yeah. like he yeah aw shucks right do yep. not he is a smart guy he is a smart guy just yeah. the way he exhibits leadership alone I, and and the way he answers these questions and there is a very sharp brain in there do not let him it is. throw you off with the uh, the aw shucks yeah. because one, they, one of the producers on the on the McAfee show compared him to Bill Cower in that yep. way and yep. I thought that was a very good comparison. Yep. Um, and I do see some of the traits from, and, and I do remember Bill Cower being the 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 linebackers coach for the Cleveland Browns of my youth. Um, I, I remember, you know, uh, thinking, "Oh my God, that guy's, you know, he, he looks like he's he he just ran through a wall." Yeah. But then he became a, a very cerebral head coach. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and if if we're getting anywhere close to Bill Cower, um, Dan Campbell, hell yeah, sign me up, baby. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Um, <laughs> Give me that. Eli, that. Eli G in the chat. He, he I, I, I'm going to question that. He says Dan Campbell could beat up every NFL, every single NFL head coach. I think the one guy is Vrabel that would be the fight that would be in the octagon, five rounds, five, right? That's the one that would be real interesting to see. Vrabel's going to go dirty. <laughs> yeah, you know he yeah, is. Oh that's, yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's what Ohio State players do. But. but but Campbell's taking a kneecap, <laughs> so we'll see. He'll bite his kneecap on the way back up. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of kneecaps, beard. Uh, that first piece about the McAfee show, uh, was we asked about on Twitter today, hashtag kneecap, ask us your questions for Q&A today on the show. That Kyle LeBrecht asked about that. We were going to cover it, but Kyle, thanks for, for giving us a lead yeah. in there. The next Definitely. one, Greg Martin from has a Q&A, hashtag kneecap, on Twitter for us. Uh, Holmes mentioned yesterday that he's optimistic about some players on the roster that are not as well-known, and I'd like to hear you guys speculate on which players you think he may be referring to Ooh, i have ideas um one of them i think is is last year's rookie jonah jackson i think i think yeah. he played well early and then really fell off 
um, hitting hitting the proverbial rookie wall. Um, that's a real thing, by the way. It does have, it happens to everybody. I think he's going to be an above average starting guard, and I think the Lions see him that way too, based on what little conversations I've had with people who are in place in that building. Um, and it, it's extraordinarily limited. And I have a piece coming tomorrow morning at Lions Wire, which will lay out just how limited my access has been um, from a road and how all of us in the media are are doing a hell of a lot more guessing than we are knowing at this time of year. He would be one of my top guesses at that. I'm hopeful, um, and, and people who have listened to this for a while will, will be so shocked that I give this answer. I think they think they see something in Will Harris that's salvageable. I do not, but if they do, more power to them. If they can get something out of them, I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy to eat that crow. Yeah. Uh, because there, there is – the Lions were the only team that was taking him where he got drafted, but he was not without some appeal to other NFL teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he has – the Saints organization did wonders with a guy named Patrick Robinson who was wildly overmatched and overdrafted as a rookie cornerback. Um, he took his lumps. He came back like after two or three seasons and wound up being a, a, a good starting corner. He's not great, but he's good. And if, if we can get, if we can get Will Harris to be a good number three safety, that, that, that solves a lot of problems. So I'm hopeful that they see that in him. I, I again, I don't see that, but I hope that they do. So he would be, he would be another answer. The only other one, and he's a free agent. Um, and he's a free agent linebacker. And it's not Jared Davis. It's Jalen Reese Maven. Yeah. I think that there could be some value for him. Um, in how he's used, rather than signing Alex Anzalone to a $4 million a year contract, bring back Jalen Reeves-Maben, two years, $3 million. He'll give you anywhere between 70 and 95% of what Anzalone does. If it's the 70, you're going to cut him after a year. You might, even not, you might even cut him by the end of preseason. If it's the 90, you've got yourself a budget player. Yeah, And that's, that's what they got to get. And how many linebackers should we have on the field at a time, Riz? Two. Thank you very unless, much. Unless, unless, unless the opponent has two tight ends and or two people in the backfield. There you go. Then you, then you need three. There you go. All right. And then the never other- more, <laughs> never more. Both the Raven. Well, let me ask you, this is a name. I don't want to, I don't mean to trigger you, trigger you here, Uh-oh. but there's something going on. Okay. And I don't know what it is. No. Logan Stenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Is he taking up a roster position all last year? Somebody sees something. Now, look, I'm not going to say that the last group of the last office and coaching staff were excellent judges of talent, but they kept him on the active roster and played 19th string Pop Warner guys ahead of him. Um, Yes. It didn't make any sense, but a lot of things didn't make any sense. Is there something here to work with? What's going on? You're, you're, you're segueing nicely into the piece that I have coming tomorrow at Lions Wire. So if you're watching this on Thursday, go to Lions Wire because it's up now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't think Logan Stenberg will be back with the team. Uh, I think he was a mistake, and I think they realized it very quickly. The only thing I will say is that Hank Freely is still there. If Hank believes in him, he's going to have a shot. Yeah. Do I know that Hank Fraley believes or doesn't believe in him? No, I don't. I will not speak to that. I, I do not know the answer to that. We will find out pretty quickly, though. I do not expect him to be part of the team. When you're signing guys like Evan Brown, off who, who was on three different practice squads in two years, and you're playing him above Logan Stemmer, who you just drafted in the fourth round, look, his tape at Kentucky was bad. He needed massive, massive, massive technical work. 
He was a waist bender. He was a grabber. He was a serial holder. He he thrived on on personal foul penalties, pl- playing playing with an intimidating style. Well, you can do that when you're at Kentucky playing against Moorhead State. You can't do that when you're going against Alabama, and he played poorly against Alabama, by the way. And you can't do that in the NFL when you're lined up and the other guy and the other guy on the other side of the ball is better than you. It doesn't work. So I not only, I will say this. Not only do I think he get, gets cut, I don't think he ever plays it down in the NFL. Wow. That. Okay. Okay. You and I, I, I can tell you another NFL team had a not draftable grade on him and saw many of the same things that I just related to you. I'm not just pulling that out of, out of my, my short shorts that I'm wearing here. Bullshit. Uh, I, that, yes. I love that guy. <laughs> I quote, I, I did that in the car today. My daughter was like, what in the world are you doing, dad? Like, no. <laughs> that guy's great. Okay. That's, then, that's my guy, Boris. I don't know if his name is Boris, but I call him Boris. So when I go <laughs> Boris, my <laughs> Uh, all right, next, really quick, want to hit oh, on something. Um, there's some great new merch and more coming as we as we roll. Great MCDC shirts, and there's there's this. I, I, I got it this time. I remembered it. Um, if you remember the uh, the story of Jared Goff and the supposedly in the group text saying he would pipe his coach's <laughs> girlfriend, um, it it became something new and exciting. Goff plumbing. Goff plumbing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here to lay pipe. Oh, that's glorious. What a great shirt, right? It is. <laughs> Check it out. That's all available at DetroitLionsPodcast.com slash store. Get your like shirt it. now and rock it. I, I, might, I might need an MCDC shirt. Definitely, if you're, if you're out looking for the ladies, if you're out looking for a date for the night, that is how to pull them in. Wear your golf plumbing shirt and let them know what you're there to do. All right. There we go. <laughs> let them know why you're here. <laughs> authenticity we talked about that at the top of the show (laughs) all right next we We had a signing before you could sign anybody so there's talk about it but it's just going to be made official on the 17th i assume a gentleman named tyrell williams the lions from the raiders uh i think he can actually be signed because he was cut yeah i don't i don't think he was a free agent i think i I don't know that um, this hit that that news actually came. I got the text as I was getting in my car to drive my my daughter to basketball practice. So I, I don't know the full grizzly details. I know it's a one year deal. I believe it's like four point seven million, something like that. OK, OK. Yeah. And, and you're, uh, but, you're actually right. I didn't look into it. I just made the assumption. I didn't I didn't do the double click on that. So it's no, he, he, he's uh, he is going to be uh, on the team. Uh, there, there's a piece up on lines where I didn't read it. In fact, I haven't even read it. Um, that's that's that's, that's the editor we all want. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah. Um, thanks, Nick. Uh, yeah. Um, so he's not a teacher it, anymore. <laughs> so this this is this is a guy who has experience with Anthony Lynn. He played with the Chargers. He is a deep threat. He is a he is a outside outside the numbers receiver. This is your Marvin Jones replacement. Hopefully, potentially. Um, I don't think there's anybody who's listening to this who thinks that Marvin Jones is coming back to Detroit. Um, I think that's that we're going to have to make peace with that decision. Go Marvin, go 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 thrive. Spread your wings and fly, and, yeah. and I will always be a fan. Yeah. Uh, but but I don't I don't think he's coming back. And thank you for the cakes. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, the lemon cake, the lemon cake, mm. and nothing but cakes. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Just see me and Chris Burke fighting over that. Oh, up in the media tower one day. That was fun. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> 
I'm bigger. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are advantages to being the biggest. He had more crumbs on his eyes odd than he's ever had before. <laughs> oh man, I love Chris. Chris is a great guy. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so Tyrell Williams is that kind of receiver. He's going to play that sort of role an outside receiver who works at his best between 10 and 25 yards down the field. He can make the acrobatic catch. He's a pretty good athlete. He gets hurt a lot. That's the problem. Not only does he miss games, he also misses practices. He doesn't, this was a problem with him when he was with the chargers. He didn't always run the right routes. He wasn't always where he needed to be when he needed to be there. There's going to be some work that is required there, but this guy has talent. He has speed. He has proven NFL ability. He is right now the number one wide receiver on the Detroit Lions. I hope it doesn't stay that way, but at least they have somebody who's caught a pass in the last decade here besides Quintez Cephas. Uh, that makes I think me happy. As we were taught by Titus Young, running the right routes is overrated. Um, Loretta Martin with a super chat <laughs> to circle back. Every talent is going to look bad when you have a coach like Matt Patricia. I am going to say that you are so, so right, Loretta. This is, I'm, I'm big on this. I think just the coaching change, if we had the exact same roster year over year, just the change in coaches gets us two more wins last year. I, I really believe oh, I, I Not only that, I will say this, the defensive personnel that was on the field last year is no worse than 25th in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no worse than that. Thank Not you. at all. Thank you very much. I, I really, truly believe that. I just think that the, the coaches put them in a bad spot, which is odd because I think this is a six-win team right now. Well, there's no draft. There's no free agency yet, right? But yeah. I'm just kind of looking and, and putting my, my crystal balls out there. And uh, <laughs> I might... My, my, I just see this as six crystal crystal <laughs> a six win team that's ten times as fun to watch, and you're going to see growth, yes. and you're going to see change, and you're going to see the launch point into 2022. Now it, that sounds weird because just the coaching change alone and and the the difference in the defense elevates this team, but I just think there's a lot of new pieces that that have to get kind of broken in i think they just had to break in together work together this year, and there's a lot of work to do on that defense just a lot of work to do on that defense that it's gonna specifically they need um they don't necessarily need like they need an impact pass rusher that that's yeah. no doubt um and i have a feeling they're going to need a slot corner um who's better than than anybody that they've got right now and they probably need a safety but they don't necessarily need uh, I, I'm still holding out hope on Tracy Walker. I will die on that ship. I'll go. I'll sink with that ship gladly if if I have to. They need the Glover Quinn piece specifically in the back. They need the veteran rudder. I got when when, when yeah, easier me to say when Rasheen Mathis came in, mm-hmm. he made all the young guys around him better, and they were still better after he left because of his presence. Yep. They don't have that guy. They need that guy mm-hmm. badly. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Either at corner or safety, they need they need someone like that. So I, I, I'll diverge back to Tyrell Williams real fast here. I was going to um, him too. Go ahead, and then I'll... okay. Um, so so he uh, he missed last year, uh, but but the the three years before that, forty three catches, forty one catches, forty two catches, average yards per catch sixteen point nine, fifteen point nine, fifteen point five, four five six touchdowns. This is a very consistent player. He did that. Yep. Um, with the Chargers in 2017 and 2018, um, which was Phillip Rivers. 2019 with Oakland, that's um, that's Carr. Very different style of players, very different style of offenses, yeah. and he put up almost the exact same freaking numbers. That tells me that what he does translates across scheme. 
Um, again, again, he he's not a guy who's going to catch more than ten passes over the middle or in between the numbers on the field all year. That's just not what he does. Right. But when you've got a wide freaking open <laughs> wide receiving room like the Lions do, you need every bit you can get. This is a this is a guy you can roll out there and start and not be embarrassed by starting him. Yeah. And to go back to Loretto's question from last week that we opened the show with, this is a guy that is a. Well, he's a speed guy, but he's a good route runner, too. I mean, he's kind of got a little yeah. bit of both. This is a guy who's going to be deadly across the middle. And, and he's big. He's 6'4". Yep. yep. <laughs> and he's going to get a lot of a lot of yards after the catch. A lot of running after the catch out of this yeah. guy. He's going to be a guy that moves the ball after he gets it in his hands. And the fact that he didn't play last year, just kind of keep in mind, yeah. he wanted to play. He wanted to play through, but they put him on IR. So you can guarantee yes, he's healed up and ready to go this year. He's got something to prove. I'm, I'm interested in this Tyrell Williams story this year because this is another guy that could really, really surprise a lot of people, I think. And this, this is a proven deal. So just to go back, he left the Chargers as a free agent. He bet on himself on a one-year contract with the Chargers in his last year. He parlayed that from making just under $3 million. He signed a four-year, $44 million contract with the Raiders. They had big plans for him in 2019, and he, he delivered exactly what he did a year before in with the other Los Angeles team. Um, actually, no, <laughs> that's the Rams. I, I, I the, the LA Raiders will forever live in my mind because that's yeah. what they were when I was a kid. I know. Uh, I still see Marcus Allen running for the Los Angeles Raiders. I never moved uh, to Oakland with him. It was always LA with me still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the Las Vegas Raiders had big plans for him and it didn't work out because he got hurt. Um he was also hurt when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um he's he's he he had um he he went to I forget where he went to school, but he he wasn't a, he wasn't like a clean medical prospect coming out, but he has played in 16 games. Uh, let's see, in three of his four seasons, three of his five seasons, he's played in 16 games. So, I mean, it's not like he's always hurt, but he, he has had that that knack about him. Yeah. But uh, this is a guy, I like it. I, I think the price is right. If you can get a starting wide receiver for under $5 million a year in the NFL these days, you're probably doing okay if it's not on a rookie contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're, you're getting a guy who comes in here with, with something to prove, with familiarity with your offensive coordinator. You better believe that. It, and we'll go back to something that Dan Campbell said. He knows what players can't do as much as what they can do. That was one of the assets that he talked about in, in having the communication with, with him and with uh, – with Brad Holmes and all the former players on the roster and, and drawing, this was in his press conference, drawing people from the Saints organization and, and from the Chargers organization and the Rams organization, a lot of disparate and the Eagles organization. There's so many people who will be like, when we're looking at a free agent, like we can ask someone who's coached him like, Oh, can he do this? Can he not do this? And that, that's something Anthony Lynn, you better believe signed off on this and said, yes, I, th- I, I know what he can do. I know what he can't do, but I can, I can make it work with him. I, I, I like that concept a lot. Yep. This is not, this is not recreating the Patriot way where you have to have dudes who do very one specific thing and can't do anything else because it's the Patriot way. Cause that's what they do. They don't cross train. They, this is different. This, this is the way the rest of the NFL works. <laughs> we're, we're seeing the better side of, of personnel department. And it's weird that it's coming from a rookie GM and a rookie head coach, but at the same time, Hey, I'm just excited, Chris. (laughs) This this is a move that a lot of fans called for. Um, They they saw that Tyrell Williams got cut last month and this is is. truly a real wide receiver three, which I don't feel like we had last year. Hawkinson was your WR three and he was actually, yeah, I mean, and, and Cephas, 
They, they, they tried to make him that, and, and he showed some signs that he could be. But, but now happen. you're getting somebody. Now you're getting somebody. Oh, by the way, who's the same, roughly the same physical dimensions as Quintez right. Cephas. Yep. This really um, takes a lot of pressure off. Now you just need, and that gets us to the topic after the next one. Uh, let's talk about the next topic here, uh, really quick. We're going to touch on this, and we'll get into something uh, where it really want, we want really want to go with it. Rumors of Russell Wilson to the Bears. Now, my Oof. friend, that scares the absolute daylights out of me because, <laughs> frankly, we were just soon getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. And now this? Are you kidding me? Uh, better, better Russell Wilson than Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know that the Bears have enough to offer for Russell Wilson to Seattle that wouldn't make it so the Bears are worse than the Lions on the field. Maybe I do like this. <laughs> I mean, so so if you're Seattle and you've got Russell Wilson and you, you clearly don't want to get rid of him, what are you going to ask for? You're asking for, at minimum, two first-round picks and give me, give me at least one player who's good right away and another player who I think might be good. So let's say you're giving up. Uh, the Bears pick what twenty first this year, mm-hmm. twenty one this year. Your your first round pick in twenty twenty two draft. Um, give me Roquan Smith and give me uh, David Montgomery. Um, and, and just for kicks and giggles, because Seattle's line is always terrible. Um, I want one of your backup offensive linemen too, just 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 to make it work. Right. Without without Roquan Smith, without the ability to add that talent um, to the Bears roster, is Russell Wilson going to be that much of a difference with? with them possibly losing Allen Robinson as well. Oh, by the way, if they bring in Russell Wilson, they can't afford to keep Allen Robinson with a franchise right, tag. Right. So that, 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 that make monkeys that up. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's not a, I don't think it's feasible for Seattle to get rid of him. B, I don't think it's feasible for the bears to get him, but if they do, you're looking at a, a, a bears team that is willingly overhauling itself coming off of a playoff season. Now, was that playoff season fluky? Hell, yes, it was. None of us expected it, and none of us expect them to get back there. But, I mean, um, if you're the Seahawks, and I'm going to add, this is, this is, this is going to be crazy. You know how I like to go outside of the box sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You're looking at Pete Carroll, and the, the problem is between Carroll and Wilson, right? That's, that's yes. where the, the conflict is. Yes. Carroll's 174 years and three months old. Why not just dump yes. him? I mean, not that you're going to get someone this year that's, that's going to do it, but why not? You're going to get more years out of Wilson than you will out of Carroll. You can and, fix that and, problem, right? Yes. Pete Carroll is 69 years old. Um, and he turns he actually turns 70 during the season. So uh the, there's there's not a lot of long term there, although excuse me, he's he's a very young and a young at heart guy. Um he's certainly very energetic. But yeah, that 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 that's a that's a fair question. And uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> nice energy drink. Uh, good, that's that's called a segue, ladies and gentlemen. Um uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'd choose Pete over Ross. Uh, that's that, that, that's a good one. You know, I don't know that you can replace Pete, but I don't know that you can replace Russ either. So <laughs> it, it, now you're going to pick your poison. So who's easier yeah. to replace a head coach at a team with Russell Wilson or a quarterback with a team that has Pete Carroll. See, see I don't, yeah. I, and, and, you know, Pete is, Pete is a really good head coach. I, I give him a lot of credit. The, the fact that he created the Legion of Boom, yeah. the fact that he he has consistently built an offense with five offensive linemen who are awful. 
um, is, is amazing. And they run the ball. Well, um, that, that's amazing to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he's been able to do that. Uh, and I think that the, he is very good at maximizing um, players and getting them to be competitive. He loves the spirit of competition. And I, I think that can win, mm-hmm. but man, if you don't have a quarterback, there's, if that's Matt Flynn back Sorry. there running his career instead of uh, instead of uh, Russell Wilson, that yeah. they're not they're not getting where they got. <laughs> right, right. And maybe, well, then again, maybe they trade for uh, Fields at seven. Who knows? We'll see what happens. It's an interesting interesting year. We'll see what goes on. There's yes, um, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot about the number seven pick and its upward or downward mobility over the next few shows. Yeah, and we got a little touch on it here next. But I want to go the next rumor I heard, and this one I think has just made a whole cloth. Uh, it was Wilson to the Saints. And that leads us into the whole the situation. See, <laughs> the, the, their, their cap is a mess, which leads to the cuts that we're going to talk about here. But I mean, yeah. literally, if you think it's hard for the Bears to get Wilson, the Saints are going to be, again, running a Pop Warner team around him, right? I mean, there's no way that they're yes. going to be able to make that work. No, they 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 physically can't. They, they're cutting dudes that, that we're going to talk about that the, the Lions fans are really going to want. They're letting people walk because they can't pay them. And there's only so many restructures that they can do. They they don't have any ability at all to make that work. Yep. Um, so that's that that one's out. <laughs> OK, we're going to get the Saints cuss. There's a question in the chat. Uh, has Riz watched the Matt Flynn game yet? Remember, it's for the kids. Riz. No, I have not. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do that um, once the draft is over. Um, but I, w- I will do that. I, w- I will sit down and do that. That, that I, I need the dead time uh, to, to fill up some content. Maybe, so that's, maybe we could just do that. like a watch along just to see reactions. <laughs> You know, if if we can figure out if I ever learn what Twitch or whatever those things are, or, or streaming along on YouTube where you can watch my my gas reactions you, to it, I'll do it with you because yeah. I, I, right. I, I want to witness it live because this is all right. We'll, we'll, we'll set that up. That, that'll probably be a June thing, like okay. May or June, oh, good, good. sometime around then, right before yeah. we go to Vegas. Yeah, you want to be depressed when you get there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's yeah. talk about some interesting cuts that we just heard about. The Saints is today. Cut Jared yes. Cook, which is in a weird way stunning, but not at all stunning, right? Completely predictable, but stunning at the same time. And then the one yes. that I find a little bit more interesting from a from Lions fans' perspective, Josh Hill. Um, mm-hmm. Two tight ends. One's more is kind of he's. Well, there's a lot of people talking about re- drafting a guy like this from Florida, um, Jared Cook. <laughs> but Josh Hill, I find him quite interesting for Lions fans. Um, yes, what do you, tight what end two, head? baby. Yeah, yeah. In line tight guy. end two who can block, who can. He could go across the formation in motion. That's how they use him. He's used to running. He, he's a very good run-blocking tight end. His pass protection, not so much, but he, he's good at that. He can he can really dig in and get out and seal off a crease so a guy like Alvin Kamara or DeAndre Swift can cut behind him and find room in the open outside without a linebacker closing in on him instantly. That's where Josh Hill is really good. He's pretty good in the red zone. He's a solid receiver. He's not... He come, he would come in and be what Matt what uh, what Bob Quinn thought that he was getting Jesse James, but clearly was never going to get. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That and and he would be cheaper than Jesse James. I would assume he'd be cheaper than Jesse James. Um, the, the sooner he's off the roster, the better. Huh? Yeah. Get, get get rid of Steen legacies. Get rid of that. I just like the idea of a quality blocking t- tight end 
on one side that can right. catch still right but 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 I he, mean, can. he beats jesse all, yeah. uh, on all on all fronts both catching and blocking and then hawkinson on the other side boy that that just is like wow we have functional tight ends on this team yeah. for once. And, and now you're not worrying about using a, a fourth or sixth round draft pick on a tight end yeah which i don't think or a first round yeah yeah, well, yeah, well. Uh, so the first round tight end in question is not a tight end in the NFL. He's Mike Evans in the NFL. If that guy ever plays anywhere closer to the line of scrimmage than a than a slot in a bunch formation, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Where'd you go to school, Riz? <laughs> got, got me the Gators visor. There you go, Carter. That's really uh, all right. <laughs> I was saving it for draft day, but I thought I'd break it out for you. Right there now. you go. All right. So, yeah, interesting cuts in Saints land. Um, if you'd like to get yourself a Gator there, advisor. There will be more, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. All your Lions gear, Gators gear, college, hockey, basketball, baseball, football. It's all there. Check it out. College pros, you name it. What is it? Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. All the great stuff. They gave us a little kickback when you go over there. But um, again, it's the official real stuff. You can see how beautiful. If you're if you're a Gator guy, you can see how great that is. Top quality stuff. It's the real official stuff. Uh, Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. All right. Let's do one more thing. We got this phone call. And right. I know we got a lot of stuff. We, 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 we've, we've done a lot today, Riz. But this one is, is they call me out. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's, I, <laughs> I'm, usually, I'm usually poking you. It's my turn to take a poke. for it. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's, let's hit this. We got a great call. Uh, this is about a uh, take I had the last couple weeks in a row. <laughs> Chris, you need to stop dogging Devontae Smith and his skinny legs. Look, the guy's not injury prone. Alabama used the hell out of him last year. He just doesn't he, – he's not injury prone. He's a tough kid. He has a way of not getting hit solid. When he does get hit solid, he doesn't lay there for a while and get up gingerly. He jumps right up. The guy's not an injury issue. It's not a concern. The hand injury in the championship game was a fluke. So stop it. Just Stop it. Hey, listen, uh, Chris and Rez, I really, really, really want the Lions to take either Devontae Smith, Waddle, or Chase. I want them to take one of those guys really bad. So tell me where the Lions are picking, where you think their mindset is. Please speculate. Should I be feeling good about the Lions taking one of those three guys that I really, really, really want them to get? Please. Help me. Help me, Chris and Riz. You're my only hope. <laughs> good call. Good call. So that's, first that's off, good. I like that. I'm not going to stop. And we briefly hit on this just in the setup ahead of time, Riz. Yeah. I think he's small. I think those little legs of his, those little toothpickers. He, look, when Alabama comes to town to play or when you go to Alabama to play, Alabama are the NFL quality style size players. Everybody else are college players. Right, that's just across yes. across the top. I mean, it's the same com- comparison that you made with Kentucky and um, what was it? Yeah, and Alabama. Uh, yeah, no, Stenberg. Stenberg. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, yeah. that, that's what you're looking at, right? Um, Alabama is just that kind of team. Now, you made a good point. I want I want I want everyone to know. Let you make it here, and then I'm going to make my counterpoint about him. And um, so you said about him and the, his ability not to get hit. Yeah, he's really good at, at making business decisions and and not letting guys get clean licks on him. Like if 
if if he's got a chance to either lower the shoulder and take on a, a 220 pound safety or run out of bounds, he's going to stick the ball out out of bounds and get get out. He's not going to take that hit. Um, Golden Tate was great at that um, as a point of reference, uh, and, and he's he's not the, the most muscular guy either. Um, not, not saying anything against Golden Tate there. I love I love the guy. Um, there are guys who know how to protect themselves like that. Um, there are guys who don't know how to do that. There are guys that are big. Um, I cover one of them. Jarvis Landry is not a guy who understands when to not take a hit. Um, he, he's been durable. That is Matthew but, Stafford. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, just not every play. You ha- you don't have to get every square inch on the field every play. Right. Learn to play. Live for another play. Um, and I think I think Devontae Smith does a very good job of that. I think he understands what he can do and also what he can't do very well um, in terms of protecting himself for his health. Yeah. So I uh, and and the other thing is, and, and you'll find a lot of clips on this. And uh, I had a conversation with Dan Shanka from from our lads um, scouting, uh, one of the, uh, former NFL scout, really really good guy. Um, he's a little bit older, so he's got some some references that most people don't get that I do, which I love. Uh, but but he he's talked about how you never see an instance where it looks like he's not strong enough or big enough. The, Alabama never put him in that situation, but but in situations where you might think that he was, it, it was never an issue for him at Alabama. So and and you're right, and and he he's a lot like Golden Tate because Golden Tate knows how not to take a hit. That's how Golden Tate has played as long as he has is he's always yeah. rolling off the hit. He knows how to avoid it. That's it. And he has a very, very special talent. And I will say that Devonte Smith has done a lot of the same type of thing, but I'm just going to tell you the NFL is a different ball of wax, man. Those hits are harder. Those guys are bigger. Those guys are faster. You see how much rookies, even great rookies struggle in the NFL size yeah. is part of that issue. It is. It absolutely worry is about the, his ability to remain healthy. I could be wrong and I'll be happy if I'm wrong. Cause I don't, I hate when, when guys get in, injured unless it's Aaron Rodgers. but that's a different <laughs> story. It's a personal <laughs> thing. And I, I really don't mean that, but um, I don't want to see Devontae Smith get hurt. I, I would love no. to, I, I would be all over him if he had just a little bit more girth around those legs. I just, I just, I'm nervous. It's not like he's like the, 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 the one standard comparison I use. And I realize there's nobody knows who the hell he is. Is Keon Clark. Um, uh, Do you know who Keon Clark was? You got me (laughs) basketball player for UNLV. He was six foot 11, 200 pounds. And his, his, his legs were about that thick. I'm holding my finger up here. Not, 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 not my middle one either. Um, But uh, Paul Richardson is a wide receiver uh, who was drafted by the Seahawks. Uh, coming out of Colorado, who was I think I think his exact measurements at his pro day was he was six foot one and one hundred and fifty eight pounds, and none of it was in his legs. Um, and he wound up. Guess what happened? He tore his knee up in his first year. Has never really recovered from it. Um, you you have to you have to have that concern with a guy that's small like that because there's not a great track record of guys who are six feet tall um, and weigh less than one hundred and eighty pounds. It's just it. It's not a it's not a successful build, um, and if you're chasing outliers all the time, you're going to wind up with a pretty bad roster. That's what the that's what the Washington football team did under Dan Snyder in the early years when he was there, and it really burned them badly. Yeah. But if he is the outlier, damn, you got yourself a really really good player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know you're you're absolutely right. He's so. Here's a guy, and, and I could be completely wrong. I'm just working strictly from memory here. I don't have numbers in front of me, so please don't. You know what? 
go ahead. If 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 you if you find your joy in 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 the comments of of videos or news articles, go ahead. Go to town. I don't care. Um, but my comparison is a guy, and and he's gonna he's gonna blow what I said out of the water. But I remember oh. Braylon Edwards at Michigan. His legs looked like little teeny toothpicks there too. I was like, this guy is gonna get destroyed. Yeah, he was and. He didn't do so bad. He wasn't. No, he wasn't a superstar. I mean, he wasn't. He, bad, had, he but, had one great year in yeah. Cleveland, and then then it really fell off. Yeah, um, and, and, and he was in Cleveland, and some some of that was was up here with Braylon too. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was he was not the sharpest tool in the shed. Right, right. Um, not the sharpest yeah. spoon in the drawer. Uh, <laughs> he he was he's a guy that is. <laughs> it's, it's just like spark plugs, cookie dough. Too, I guess. Right? <laughs> um, Spark plugs, frozen yogurt. I know you said cookie dough, but I got frozen yogurt on the brain. Don't forget too fair. Uh, the uh, he was just he was to me in my memory he was a similar size guy, and I was terrified of what was going to happen to him in the NFL, and I was I was completely wrong. So I'm 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 okay being wrong here. I just boy the idea of Waddle or Chase, I I I like them better. I think on a longitudinal basis for the Lions. Tell me I'm wrong, Riz. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all on that. Uh, that's uh, I prefer Waddle personally. I think he would be my. So uh, to, to answer the question that was asked, I don't think Jamar Chase will be available for the Lions. Um, I think I think both he and Kyle Pitts will be gone. Um, now, if they're not, that means that a quarterback has gone above there that I don't expect to go there. That would be Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's I, I would say. Um, I actually, I, I'm coming around to the belief and the more that I talk to other people who are in the, the online draft community and also people who are connected with NFL teams that the Kyle Pitts will be the first receiving talent drafted in this draft. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so for all of you who are concerned that they're going to take a wide reserve, a tight end at seven, I don't think they're going to get that chance. Mm. So, um, that, that's one less thing that you need to stay up late at night worrying about, um, so if that, if that helps you sleep, that's great. Um, probably, probably a little bit safer than, than the, the, doing the Delta line. Um, <laughs> well, no, the Delta line is good. It's the ambient. Oh, it's safe, but yeah, it's, you, you got to watch out for it. But, the ambient, um, yeah. you'll wake up and some, a room in your house will be destroyed. Um. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that's, that's tough stuff, man. Yeah, that's, no, that's ooh, no yeah, yeah. Watch out for that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would take, I prefer Waddle. He would, he would be my top receiver. Um, Chase. I don't, I don't know, man. There's, he was so good at LSU, but it was one year, you know, and I think you saw with Waddle the ability to, to transfer yeah. it over and he did not work with as good a quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was one of the greatest college quarterbacks I've ever seen at down at LSU, especially that last year. Um, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I was not a Tua guy. I, I don't, I think the receivers at Alabama made the quarterbacks better Whereas at, at LSU, I think I think Burrow made the – now, that's not saying that the receivers weren't good. I mean, Justin Jefferson proved that. The guy was phenomenal as a rookie. I think Burrow made them better um, than they would have been if they were catching balls from Tua or Jalen Hurts before that or or uh, or Mr. Jones, who okay. was a, a fourth-round pick masquerading as a top-ten pick. We just um, – I got a <laughs> – Brendan in the chat – just started a show meme. Oh, he, he said the, the Delta line says I would take Pitts at seven in a heartbeat. 
our our new line, our new <laughs> our new contrarian line, we'll call it, <laughs> is the Delta line. Because <laughs> you went to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. That's where you go. Delta line, and and you might be a little high. There you go. Okay, <laughs> the Delta line. Not, not wrong with that. It, it, it's it's a, it's a cool, easy feeling. Okay, with that, um, the Delta line. What else did we learn today? Alpha males. Alpha males are all over the Detroit Lions, but alpha males are not your dad's alpha males. They're servants now. It's a different thing. Don't be afraid of an alpha male because no, it's not. It's not don't that. Fear the Reaper. <laughs> don't fear the Delta. Uh, <laughs> alpha males is a different thing, as as uh, Dan t- uh, Campbell talked about, and uh, it's okay. It's okay. It we're we're okay. alpha males. We're alpha males, Jeff. There's there's nothing wrong with being an alpha male. I like it. So uh, one, one of the things that I learned about Dan Campbell today that I loved um, and, and Pat McAfee brought this up today is the 35th anniversary of the release of this bad boy. Yes. Yes. Dan Campbell's favorite album. He called it out. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's so good. Metallica master of puppets. I'm going to listen to it after the show. I'm actually going to listen to the cuts from the latest S and M two that Metallica did, because I like the symphony orchestration with it. Uh, but man, man, you, you can't grow with master of puppets. You really can't. And, and the fact that Dan, so Dan Campbell talked about, they asked him about the MCDC and if he was okay with that, because it was more of a reference to ACDC, which was totally on my alley because I'm a, a rock metal fan, but I don't like ACDC. I think right. their music is so God awful, boring and redundant and lame. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's like, I like it. It's good. I, I like classic rock. I like metal and I like old school country. And I'm like, God, that's, He's he's me, nineteen eighty five, man. <laughs> That's where I was. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why Dan Campbell wishes he was me. As much as I wish I Uh-oh. was him, I saw the Master of Puppets to- tour, Metallica, oh. open for Ozzy Osbourne at Joe Louis Arena, and I was oh. like eight rows back. It was in oh man. Incredible. Great, great stuff. So I, did, I did not get into Metallica until the Black album came out, and then I worked backwards. Oh, I, so I've seen them a bunch of times. I met them twice along. You've met them. That's that's twice. awesome. Yeah, I have a picture of me with uh, Jason Newstead. that the second time I saw him, I got signed. <laughs> it, Sweet. It, it was awesome. I, you know, you worked in radio back then. It was There was a lot of cool yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, a couple of years ago great. with uh, with uh, Scott Bischoff and uh, Josh Liskovitz. Yeah. Uh, we went to we went to Comerica and saw them in Avenged Sevenfold and Volbeat. It was a fantastic show. Great day. I will tell you, I don't know how they are today, but back then they were awesome, awesome dudes. Uh, the first yeah. time I met them at um, at Monsters of Rock at the Pontiac Silverdome and had a great chat with them. Signed, but you know it was all it was really cool. Had a great chat with Hat- Hatfield. Um, it was just really really cool. Asked them about Master of Puppets writing the, the writing at the whole thing, <laughs> and. Um, it was a good conversation. And then the second time I met him was in um, in uh, when they were playing in Saginaw. So it was a lot smaller kind of arena. Really cool kind of backstage. It was so chill. It just let people line up nice. to talk to him, little groups around him. And they're just, you know, drinking. There's free beer, I, the whole I kind thing. Of, I, I love so catching awesome. bands like that. Oh, and they were it, the coolest, most down to earth dudes you 
ever met. They were awesome. It's it's people like that that I that I love in this world more than the people who the, the, the smallest people are the people that have a little bit of fame. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those are the smallest motherfuckers you ever met. That's one of the reasons why I'm proud to call Brian Burkheiser from I Prevail a, a yeah. friend, yeah. Uh, as well as being a big fan of the band. Uh, yeah. Dude, dude just gets it, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool hanging out with him and and hanging out with his parents backstage. Mm-hmm. Was was like wow, man. This is. They're just normal dudes that happen to be rock stars, and yeah. I, I I love that about them. So anytime you can get a story like that, you you got to tell it because I love I I eat that crap up. Yeah, because yeah. I have seen the pretentious rock stars. Um, I, I I've seen some pretentious celebrities um, from my days working in a luxury worst. hotel. Guns and Roses uh, were the biggest jackwads that you. you uh, oh God, they were terrible. They were terrible. No, uh, I mean uh, they were in the middle of the, all the Mr. Brownstone experience right yeah <laughs> but, that, but they yeah. were just jackholes they're complete jackholes i'll just say that the, the the worst the worst i guess he's a celebrity because gary gaietti from the kansas city royals um their third baseman who became um he was the guy who like used to write bible verses on his batting glove and, and hold it up to the camera all the time yeah. instead of seeing his face yeah. That guy did to a hotel room of things that i don't think guns and roses could ever dream of <laughs> You know, this will probably be unexpected. Who the coolest, I mean, absolutely coolest band was that I've ever met? Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Oh, Sammy's great. I love Sammy. They, it was like every one of them was like, I'd I'd been friends for years with them. Just hanging out. Yeah. Doing it. and, And I had, um. Van Halen 2 album. This is back when it was vinyl, right? And mm-hmm. OU812. This is again at Monsters of Rock. Uh, and I had brought the albums with me and got them signed. And Sammy sees Van Halen 2. And he's like, What? He's like, Ah, what the? And he writes a big letter. So, what the hell? And he signed it. Right? <laughs> but he just, I mean, he just was like, So, what's going on? You like the new stuff? You like the old stuff better? He was just like, like Asking the questions my that our friends would talk about. Like, Who's better, new Van Halen or old Van Halen? Right? Oh, cool. my God. That's amazing. Yeah. They were Awesome, oh, Eddie. I love just, that. It was love cool. hearing that. And love so, hearing that. Monsters of Rock. Just so you know, last last little bit of story. Nine hour show. Pontiac Silverdome. Kingdom Come. Dokken. Uh, Scorpions. Metallica. Metallica and, and Van Halen. And Van Halen. Halen. Yep. Yeah. I got an all area pass. Right. So I literally can go anywhere in the stadium. I just walk up to the front row, and they were forcing everyone to sit in their seats so they didn't have riots and all that stuff. So I could just like walk right up and they'd be like, "Hey, get sit down." And I'd hold my thing up. They'd be like, "Oh, okay." So and I'm taking pictures like from right right up the <laughs> stage, right. So I got all that going on. It was cool. And then you go back, and they wouldn't serve alcohol because it was a nine hour show. They didn't win fights and everything else, right? Yeah, that makes back, sense. You go backstage. To, you know, there's a press box. Full of as much beer as you could drink and booze. And then every time you go to the band, there's these big wash tubs full of ice and beer. And it was oh. like, like, I don't know whether to go to the beer or the band. God. Oh, man. <laughs> it was. So I was under. <laughs> it was. I, I, I was smashed when I went out of there. Oh, and man. And people over 21 were sober as hell because they couldn't get anything. Oh, man. <laughs> and so at that time in my life, Dokken was my band. That was that. Ooh. They were my they were my group. Yeah. I would have killed anything to have been in that experience. Although I have met two of the guys in the band. Um, one of them is not a cool guy. <laughs> George Lynch, the guitarist, he, he's a little quirky, but he's, he's an all right dude. But uh, I, I did meet another member of Dokken that uh, 
I wish I never had because it, it, it sort of ruined their music for me. <laughs> oh, man. All right. With that, we'll end on music talk. Remember, don't forget to yes. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. As little as a dollar a month gets you access to the Slack chat, the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. Over 320 people. Can't be wrong. Join us. Riz, Chris, Case, everybody's there hanging out, talking. It's the best place to find the most respectful and intelligent lion's chat on the it has, we've had some really good respectful arguments and disagreements in there i love that it's so that's cool. what i'm all about I I, love it's, it. it doesn't it doesn't hurt you can tell wrong. me i'm wrong yeah, yeah. just don't just don't make it personal I, i'm gonna be wrong i'm, I'm gonna be wrong half yeah. the things i said in the show tonight could wind up being wrong oh absolutely okay. <laughs> they probably are <laughs> look at my mock draft i did i did a lion's mock draft this week i i i seriously doubt if any of those picks come true but if they do right <laughs> All right, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at DET Lions Podcast, DET Lions Podcast, The Riz at Jeff Risden. We're always pants free hanging out. Also, give us a call on Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line at 929 33 Lions, 929 335 4667. Be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com, subscribe to the podcast so we can. Well, what are we going to do, Riz? We're going to come in your ear holes automatically. All right. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Thank you, everyone. I love the line. It's great. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.